Alright, uh, here's part two of the recording with Olsen, just because we had a little bit of a technolo- technological issue, but right now I'm going to be recording this from my phone. Um, so I'm going to turn up the volume on my laptop, and hopefully you can hear everyone be- a bit better. But yeah, so we were just talking about kind of our cell phones and about whether or not we could be able to, we'd be able to lose them for a little bit or not. But, um, and I think we kind of finished that discussion. Hopefully you can hear that on Jake's recording with Olsen. But, um, I mean, if we have any more thoughts on that, I guess we could talk a bit about 1984, just because we haven't talked about 1984 yet. So no one has any thoughts? Any more thoughts? Alright, so we go to move on to 1984. Okay, cool, cool. Um, can, can someone tell me where to find, like, the actual, like, list of questions on Google Classroom, just because I, I can't find those right now? Um, go to... Let me see. It's called the social dilemma in literary circles. I went to last week's um, tab, week of uh, March eight through twelve, and um, then literary circles three twelve, and then the social dilemma. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um. Yeah. So, does anyone like want to ask a question or something? Better now. No. Yeah, your audio is a little bit better. Yeah. Um, okay, so does anyone want to ask a question right now? Um, do you guys want to, like, share your, like, thesis or what you're going to talk about in the essay? Uh, I'm kind of just going to do it about, like, kind of, like, relating it back to, like, the social dilemma. Like, how, uh, like, the media is, like, very manipulative. Or, like, they can, like, manipulate stuff very easily and like can control us so um a lot of what i'm planning on talking about is um kind of and which is something that i'm interested in um which is i guess sort of the use of language i suppose that's i you know i feel like that's going to be kind of a decent part about my essay and that's a little bit more on the in the in 1984 but I'm like you know i'm probably i'm planning on pointing examples of that that are used today in the news and by political figures and stuff like that and i guess just sort of the condensation of broad ideas into one word that can sort of evoke a very very emotional response you know what i mean and so i think that's a lot of what i'm gonna write about yeah um, i'm doing something along the lines of what jake's doing uh with like social media um, and how it really affects us and uh, also like privacy and uh, been tracked all the time. I can I'm, uh, probably reference nineteen eighty four quite a bit. And yeah. I think for mine, I'm going to do something about, like, the being watched and being kind of, like, controlled. And I'm going to use 1984 and then definitely the social dilemma. And then I had, for my current event, I did something about Facebook and how, like, they track all your movements. Same thing as the the, the social dilemma kind of thing. So I'm going to use those three sources. Yeah, I'm also going to be talking mostly about technology and, like, the media. And I'm going to be using for my outside source, like... There's, like, an article about, like, the, like, elect- Amazon Alexa's, like, listening to you. So I'm going to, like, relate that and then, like, our computers and stuff, like, tracking us to, like, the telescreen in 1984. And, um, yeah, okay, that's all cool. Um, I, 
I do want to shift this, uh, shift the conversation a little bit to something that I think I'm a little bit interested in, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. But the the thing is, I guess, sort of the use of language and how that is related to thought and how that can be used to manipulate people. And I guess I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that, because, um, like, in my opinion, I think we there's a lot of examples of, I guess, sort of new speak used in today's environment whether it's by, like, political figures and stuff like that. Like, um, like, a quick example, I guess, I could think of, um, you know, I don't want to get, like, too, you know, into, like, modern era kind of stuff, but, like, you know, like, I think typically when people hear, like, the word communism, especially in America as a result of the Cold War, that can evoke a very emotional response for a lot of people. And so, and and so I think that that word is used on particular people to make them kind of feared in a sense and stuff like that like calling i guess you know people that are like obviously not communist communists because they're not as you know they don't agree with you as much i guess it's just a way to like i guess sort of summarize that and that can be kind of used in today's environment and i think it's very very similar to how in the world of oceania a lot of things when you think about freedom or liberation is it's put as crime think and stuff like that you know what i mean i I guess wanted to hear what you guys thought about that right like um in the society of oceania um they don't know what anything else is because they've only been accustomed to what um uh they've been instructed to so anything that they think is um anything that they think that is uh that goes against whatever they were taught is is crime thought, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like going back to what Johannes is saying about like the words, like the one of the ways that um, the inner party was able to control everyone is they would like get rid of all the words and like a lot of the t- Winston like he knew in his mind like what he wanted to say he couldn't he just couldn't like think of like the words to express himself and yeah I think that was a huge factor in um the party being able to control everyone yeah absolutely and I think that I think that's an example of how like literacy is very very important sorry uh Jake you can you can say something uh I was just gonna say that I kind of agree with Skylar how like you kind of believe what you're like told so like for example two plus two equals five like they all believe that because they've been told that like their entire lives so like that's just how they think so like right like the truth is that two plus two equals four but i mean even that like you don't really know that could be a lot like you never really know so yeah and i think like with regards to, I guess, linguistics and kind of, like, you know, reducing very broad ideas into, like, sort of one thing. I, another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, which was doublethink, which at first never really made sense to me. But, you know, as I think about it more and more, I think it does make a lot of sense. And I think it is very, um, it is I, very prevalent in today's society. And it is a very dangerous tool which can be definitely used to manipulate people and like you know it's just it's just such a fascinating concept how how one can be able to convince someone to believe two completely contradictory ideas but believe both of them a hundred percent simultaneously 
And it's not just about, like, making people follow you, but it's about, like, breaking them entirely down, like, as human beings. You know what I mean? Breaking down their thought process completely. And doublethink is just, I guess, sort of, like, an extension of that. You know what I mean? How, like, you know, like, in the world of Oceania, obviously, like, for, like, mathematicians working on something, they know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, but if the party says that 2 plus 2 equals 5, then you have to believe that. So you have to believe that, for mathematical purposes, it equals 4. But also for mathematical purposes and for the party's sake, it equals five at the same time. And I and and like I, I think there's a there's a good amount of examples in that throughout history. And I think one example, which is I think a, a dynamic that can kind of exist in political rivalries. But um, I guess here's an example from Nazi Germany. So in the time of Nazi Germany, um, in terms of propaganda against Jewish people. Um, Hitler wanted people to believe that that um that Germany was the strongest country in the world and that it's no one can beat Germany. You know, we're the powerhouse of the entire planet. But we can be taken over by Jewish people and we can be taken over by you know, the Americans too. Because it's not you can't just motivate people sheerly by fear, but you need like actual like pride in themselves and hatred for other people. You know what I mean? And it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. How they would convince they wanted people to hate Jewish people and be scared of them at the same time simultaneously. You know what I mean? Obviously, like like it's like you know, and with regards, I guess, to the power of the germ of Germany as a country, it's like what is it? Like, are we really powerful, or do we have to fight? Is there a threat that we need to be against? And so they wanted them to believe both of those things simultaneously and wholeheartedly. And it's kind of it's kind of similar with Oceania because they want people to believe that Oceania is the strongest country in the world and that we're awesome, but also that we have to like fight really hard and that you know we'll be taken over by Emmanuel Goldstein and stuff like that. They wanted people to, and this is you know in a lot of examples throughout history, but typically you want if you're trying to like set up a, some sort of a fascist system, you want people to fear something and hate it at the same time. But, um, sorry, I think I talked a little bit long there, but what do you guys think about that? I agree, like, completely, yeah. You can make good points. Yeah, I also agree. I also wanted to go back to what you said about, like, the news speak and how, like, they use, like, this ambiguous, like, kind of confusing language to, like, diminish the range of thought. And I feel like that's so crazy because, like, they, like, put words together to, like, make one thing so that basically they can't think for themselves anymore and there's only, like, a few words they can use to express themselves. And that's, like, not happened yet, but I feel like there's definitely, like, the parties, like, controlling them. And I agree with what you said about the double thing also. It's very true. Um, yeah. While we're on the, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, you can go. No, you, you go, Jake. You go. Uh, I was just gonna switch topics, but since I'm guessing you're gonna like respond to Sienna, right? Or... Oh, you were gonna switch topics? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. I, I think I just had a few more thoughts about like linguistics. Yeah. I guess. You but... can go. Just switch yeah. After. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could go to a different thing afterwards. Um, but um. And I think, I guess, sort of another example, I guess, of how linguistics can, I guess, sort of be manipulated isn't necessarily newspeak, but it's, I guess, sort of, like, you guys know what, like, euphemisms are. You know what I mean? It's where you'll take, like, a word, you'll take something, and then you'll make it sound a little bit more friendly. You know? And and in doing that, you can take the issue of serious, serious problems and kind of diminish its value or its importance or 
how quickly we should respond to that. And I, and like, um, and sorry, I was full historical examples. I know that, but, um, I like, I think I have two. One of them is with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it wasn't always caused that, called that, um, earlier it was actually called shell shock. You know what I mean? And I mean, and just like analyze, I guess the connotation of that word, because we've also been talking about that in reading it, you know, shell shock, shell shock very very aggressive it's very in your face it almost describes the condition it's yourself the condition is yourself it's like you know your nervous system can't handle anymore because you've been so you know ingrained in battle and in in fighting and in wartime so it's called shell shock you know what i mean and then eventually it was called battle fatigue you know what i mean you make it longer and you kind of reduce what it is you know what i mean like battle fatigue sounds a little bit nicer than shell shock you know what I mean? And then eventually got to the point where we call it post-traumatic stress disorder. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm not necessarily saying that this is done, like, that this is done maliciously, but if we analyze shell shock versus post-traumatic stress disorder, you know what I mean? The longer it becomes, the more technical it becomes, and I think as a result of that, it loses a lot of its human value and a lot of its humanity and what it means when you compare that to shell shock. You know what I mean? And it's sort of the same thing with, I guess we could say, climate change. Because climate change wasn't always called climate change. Initially, it was called global warming. You know what I mean? And if we think what, like, what sounds scary, climate change or global warming? You know what I mean? Climate change is a little bit more friendly because it's talking about the climate and the weather. And then global warming. It describes exactly what's happening. The earth is heating up. You know what I mean? And this was done a little bit more maliciously to, I guess, reduce action against global warming. But, um, and so there's stuff like that. And, and then I do think that in Oceania, not only do they kind of reduce that, but in doing so, they kind of, you know, in terms of like, you know, they don't really have like a word for like oppression because they don't want people to like fight against that necessarily, kind of in the same way that they, you know, that people don't want action against climate change or, or against global warming, you know what I mean? And by like making it sound like climate change. But yeah, that's kind of another thing I think is interesting. We can switch topics unless anyone else has a. Any more thought on linguistics and stuff like that? I was gonna say that, um, like that's true. How like when we, when you say it was like war fatigue, fatigue kind of is like tired in a way, so it doesn't sound serious. Or like shell shock, like sounds like oh shoot something happened. So like it, like you said, like it totally like diminishes like the meaning. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna switch topics now. So yes. while we're on 1984, I was just gonna say at the end, with like the bullet, do you guys think it was like a figurative bullet or like an actual bullet? I think it was figurative. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was just a figurative uh, saying. Yeah, I think it was figurative, but it like represented like the rebellious side in Winston dying and him finally just like becoming dedicated member of the party because after that he said like I love Big Brother. So that was kind of like the a big turning point for Winston. Yeah. And even though he didn't like physically die, I still think that they killed Winston in a sense. Sorry Sienna to cut you off, you can you can go. Oh, no, no, you can finish. I'll go. No, that was it. That was, that was my only thought. Yeah, you can go. I also um, thought it's bigger tip. I feel like because he, like, loves Big Brother, and that was, like, the last, like, thing I feel like he didn't want to do. And they say, like, when you're with the party, like, I feel like the party never dies, so, like, you never die, so I feel like he died, he died to beat with the party. Figurative. 
Yeah, I agree with uh, Audrey. Like, I think it was figurative, and like, it was more like a part of him was dying. Like, but like the part, like the rebellious side of him is dying, and like he kind of became like a part of the party. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I and I think I guess if we kind of analyze and think of it from the perspective of the party and I guess what they truly want from their people. I think and like, you know, like I still believe this. Like I think even if they had convinced him to love Big Brother and they killed him, that would have been a loss in and of itself because I think like the one thing that they truly want is for everyone to like walk around like a corpse. You know what I mean? Like that that's in their that's in their best interest because I think if they kill him that they're saving Winston from loving the party. And I think that that is that's not what they want to do. You know what I mean? They want everyone to wholeheartedly believe it. That's how they obtain power. They don't care how they do it. They're going to make you love Big Brother. No, it doesn't matter what they're going to do to you. You know what I mean? And so I think it would have been a, they would have lost if they had shot him because they they had they're saving Winston from him from his new indoctrinated self and they don't want to do that he want they want him to live at his life in honor of big brother and in honor of the party but um, yeah uh, i have actually another question that i thought of um like when why do you guys think that like the party released him after he like told them to uh get like pretty much torture julia instead of him like I'll, here i'll go first i think it was because um like, that was, like, he told O'Brien that, like, he would never, like, betray her love and stuff. So, like, since that was, like, the ultimate betrayal, like, I think O'Brien was, like, all right, we broke him pretty much. And, like, that they got through to him. So. Yeah, at first I was kind of surprised that they didn't kill him because I thought that's what they were going to do the whole time. But then I realized that the party doesn't want to like kill people they want to kill like the rebellious them and they, all they care about is that you like love the party and love big brother so at the end that's their only goal yeah absolutely and i, I guess with, with regards to julia I, I think it's just because julia i guess was herself a sort of a symbol of sort of that rebellion and it's kind of you know you know going off with her you know was kind of a symbol for him of rebelling against the party and like they said like everything they they had done intimately was considered a political act and so i think that you know him wishing upon julia i guess could be um i guess it could be sort of analyzed as sort of like allegorical to i guess convincing some kind of a revolutionary or someone as a part of a revolutionary a revolutionary movement to betray their brethren of the cause and i think that that is very similar because i I guess you could say that julia is sort of a symbol of the cause hypothetically you know what i mean but yeah yeah sorry uh going back to what audrey said i agree with uh how they didn't really their intention was not killing winston um unless he like rebelled even more but they just wanted to like really fix him and um make them more loyal to the party and uh they just want to con- they just really want to maintain control over the society so it, they don't have any means of really killing him i feel like julia was the last strand of humanity like winston was able to hold on to from like his re- like you said as like his rebellious like life so that way like when he um when he um betrayed her it was like 
the party got like his complete love and devotion. There was no love he saved for Julia. Like it was just all gone. And that was where he gave it to the party. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I think, I, I think I had talked about this in a paradox answer or something like that, but I think it's kind of interesting. Like at the ending, there is like a lot of like positive connotation. You know what I mean? Like he was like walking through sunlight. He loved his big brother. You know what I mean? He finally won the victory over himself. Like this, as if this is a good thing. And I think this kind of is a great example and a great parallel to, I guess, some of the perversions of ideas like victory for the party because like for the victory when we've won when we've you know when we've beaten the foe it's typically not a great thing you know it's only a pretty bad thing in fact and i think that's kind of interesting also because at the end it's like winston is like completely like a a walking corpse at this point you know he's completely been broken apart you know he has no will for anything else other than the party at this point you know what i mean which is what they wanted and you know and i just think it's like so perfectly framed on the part of george orwell to like frame this as you know as a good thing with like its connotation because it's it's kind of like i feel like almost at the end it's like winston was like never the main character himself you know which is interesting because it was always from like a third person point of view so when it's like oh like winston had won the victory over himself you know i feel like it's almost like i guess you could say like the the party kind of took took over the book in a sense and like took over what what it was you know what i mean because it's like had this been from winston's point of view you know what i mean because even, you know how like even like in a third person story you can still make something from someone's point of view even though grammatically it's in the third person um that's not that, like you never was it was never like that i guess in this book you always felt kind of disconnected from winston it always felt like you were kind of watching him and i that's how i felt at least and i think at the end i think it's like it's like it, it feels it feels like it was you were like I guess like the party like the the narrator was I guess sort of part of the party the entire time and then like you know when it's like he had won the victory over himself it's almost like I almost felt like big brother was like right on my shoulder or like you know I was reading from a perspective of like a party member you know what I mean I don't know that was just how I felt you guys have any thoughts on that I thought that was a really good point. Like, I think you're totally right. Like, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Because, like, the whole time, yeah, you're pretty much watching Winston do everything he does. So it's, it's kind of like you're watching through, like, a camera. Like, you're in, like, a, I don't know, a security room or something. Just watching Winston's life, like, play by play and just, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up, Johannes. I, I never thought of it like that. But now that, like, you brought it up, it, it really makes sense um, how we think that the narrator is told as a party member because we're just, as Jake said, watching and uh, evaluate, evaluating everything that Winston's doing. So, great point. Yeah, I agree with all of that, too. Yeah, that's like a super good point. I really never thought of that. And like as a reader, when I'm reading it, I was so upset. I was like, oh, come on, Winston, like, don't go to the party. But you're right. Like the way they wrote it, like it made you like I felt upset. Like, I was like why is he just giving up? But you're right. Totally right. That was a good point.
Thank, I appreciate it. And because because I don't think like we like I guess like sort of like examine the the logistics of like narrators like in a book because it's like this isn't Winston. This is like, you know, someone's telling it, someone's narrating this. So it's like how does one how does the narrator know where everyone else, where everyone is at one point in time? And I just and I think that's kind of part of the goal, I guess, of nineteen eighty four on George Orwell's part, I guess, to sort of like sort of model the dynamics of this sort of totalitarianistic society. But yeah, I appreciate it. Um does anyone else have any like questions, I guess, about that? Or does anyone want to move the discussion? We can do whatever we want. Do we have 20 minutes? I feel like we do. Yeah, right now we're at 24 minutes. Okay. Does anyone else have anything else they would want to discuss? All right. So should we we just uh, call it quits right now then? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all right, awesome. Okay, so uh, Miss Olson, we'll we'll send you. This. <laughs> I'm talking Miss Olson right now, but yeah, so we'll send you this, and Jake will upload his. But he said that there might be some audio issues, but we'll watch out for that. So yeah, cool.